This is effing weird, and we're gonna dive right into this subject with Bermuda Triangle. I'm one of your hosts, Alex. And I'm alone, I guess. No one else is gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was reading. My Leo, bad. come on. All right, let's start, learn it again. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, we're keeping it. We're, this is live. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Leo. This is Rule. And I'm Tristan. All right. And we're all going to, we all took different parts in uh, Bermuda Triangle, but I think something that was brought up before the show, which um, if you're unaware of Bermuda Triangle, um, Leo, do you want to go ahead and tell our listeners what the Bermuda Triangle is? Yes. So the Bermuda Triangle is essentially a giant triangular space on the coast of, I believe it's America's. somewhere in Africa and then somewhere up north. I don't know the exacts, but it's just this area where planes and ships have gone missing, quote-unquote, mysteriously. And a lot of the times the wreckage isn't even found, which, of course, most people can dismiss it as being lost to sea given how vast the ocean is. But other times it's like the evidence that's behind some of these disappearances doesn't equate to a simple, oh, I was a natural accident or like a tsunami came through and, you know, wiped them off or something logical affected these aircrafts. And then there's also reports of supernatural and like UFO related incidents with the Bermuda Triangle. And it's a very interesting kind of take. There it is. That's Miami area, Bermuda, and then Puerto Rico. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently the Bermuda Triangle area doesn't have like a higher number of disappearances than anywhere else i think it's just the fact of like what caused these disappearances that makes it so interesting or makes it so appealing to people and to talk about and theorize on yes and that and that's just the thing behind it too is that there's a lot of mystery there's a lot of still unknowns because again where my my re- my research kind of lied was the uh, the myths and the theories behind uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Now, again, like what Leo was saying, there are other there are other parts in the world where there are these triangles. It seems like on the map. So the one that you were talking about up north, that's the Alaska Bermuda Triangle, I believe that you're referencing to, and it's the exact same thing as the Bermuda Triangle, where it's like there's just this triangle, you know, quarantined off area where just a lot of number of disappearances like weird activity happen. So there's specific reason they use a triangle. Like, is I there think, not like a Bermuda hexagon or something? I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you bring up a good point. Like, why isn't there the Bermuda square or something like, like that? Like I was probably cause it's like the simplest shape you can make. Right. Cause that's literally as few lines as humanly possible is a triangle. Yeah. And if you look at it on a map, you can see where the points that intersect Florida, Bermuda and Puerto Rico, it forms a triangle. So I guess it really is just the simplest thing. Instead of making like a giant circle, and they just said it'll just make it a triangle and keep the it. The Bermuda guy. rhombus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure if you were to look like at the disappearances and all these, well, we'll call them incidences. So if you were to plot every single incidence that happened between, you know, those three places, I'm sure it would make the shape of a triangle, roughly. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's probably yeah. 
kind of where they got the name too. Now, again, like the Bermuda Triangle has been around for ages and ages because there's been stories of, um, like, I think I believe it was Christopher Columbus. Don't quote me on that. Who sailed that sailed through the Bermuda Triangle, and he he said that he was a witness to. I believe it was lights or something like that where or like ships that were like lights going underneath his ship or like under you know past it so this thing has been around for a minute it's just not something that has happened like in the 50s 40s whatever so yeah that's one of those interesting parts is that like it, as soon as america was discovered they started seeing that because i remember i watched a documentary about the christopher columbus thing and, and it's described like a modern ufo sighting like it, it flies into the sky i think it's green if the mm-hmm. lights are Yep. And then, yeah, it just dives under the water, and they have no idea what's going on. Now, granted, they also might have been at sea for, like, five months with no water. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> <to be> remembered. <laughs> what but are you talking about? There's, <laughs> there's water all around them. They're probably <laughs> drinking it. Reach in and drink. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's why they were seeing lights. <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting that, like, right from the get-go, these stories started. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to kind of dive into some of the uh, the myths behind Bermuda Triangle, and then I'm going to turn it into some of the theories. I'll, just, I'll kind of let you guys know when I'm switching to them. But talking between the two, one will kind of complement the other one to like have some reason behind it, like it'll make sense. Uh, but the first one, and most of this information that I'm pulling from is from factual.com. Um, but magnetic magnetic fields go awry. So probably the most famous one or famous myth about Bermuda Triangle are the compasses. So modern day uh, navigations understand that the compass requires calibration to make up for the deviation depending on your location. So you have to you know calibrate your compass when you're going out here. So probably one of the biggest things is when people are like, hey, my compass is going wrong or like is going haywire. Well, did they calibrate it? And then also the Earth's magnetic fields are constantly changing. And I don't know for a fact if the magnetic fields just are changing more often in this area or whatnot, but that is the, uh, that it could be like one of the biggest myths behind the Bermuda Triangle is like when people say like their compasses are just spinning and they don't know where they are, is it's the magnetic fields are playing with those. Uh, the compasses, the you know, the magnetic ones, not obviously not the digital ones. So, a, uh, another myth that uh, gets tossed around a lot is just these crazy weather patterns. So, in the Bermuda Triangle, it's it's in Hurricane Alley. So, a uh, you know, swift moving Gulf streams and masses of warm and cold air conditions can create those abrupt storms that just come out of nowhere. So. You, you know, you set sail and you're, you're plotting your course and everything and it goes through Bermuda Triangle. If you do that, you run into the possibility of hitting in a, a storm that's not even on the radar yet. Because you can look, it can be like, yep, sunny skies the entire way, but then you're going to hit possibly a, uh, a weather or not a, a weather. It's always weather outside. A storm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Got to be careful with the weathers outside. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weathers out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, another another big one that I'm sure we're, we're all aware of, especially if you've you know you've done research into the Bermuda Triangle or if you've heard anything about it, is the methane hydrates. Now there are pockets that are there's pockets of methane trapped underneath the Earth, right? 
And when these the Earth moves, these bubbles erupt from the bottom of the ocean. And you can go to YouTube and you can look this up yourself. They've done tests where they've done methane bubbles, they're called, on a uh, on like little plastic ships, you know, models of them. They'll release these pockets of methane and the methane makes the, I believe it's the water, um, it reduces the density of the water, which then carries the shipwards. So just ships, you know, going out, disappearing, not seeing a trace of them. It could possibly be the uh, the methane hydrates. So it's not just ships that, you know, like aliens, like picking up from the water or, you know, anything like that. So methane, hydrate bubbles, things like that. Another interesting myth that I did find, <laughs> which was uh, kind of interesting, was the higher insurance rates uh, for going through the Bermuda Triangle for people that you know sail through there often. Um, according, according to Norman Hook, who conducted a maritime casualty studies for Lloyd's Maritime Information Services, says that the disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle are most often weather-related despite claims of monsters, aliens, and the like. So regardless of the theories and legends as to why these ships and planes disappear, insurance is no higher than any other place in the ocean. So I, I guess there's a theory or there's a something saying that if you are a sailor, you know, and you travel through this part often, your insurance is going to be higher. That I guess that's not the case. So... If you're looking to buy a ship with a bunch of cargo anytime soon, you'll you'll be good with the normal rates that everyone else gets. Uh, what do you guys think about that as far as the myths? Um, I mean, it all kind of leads to, I think, the standard theory about the Bermuda Triangle is that there's really it, it's more of a hype thing than things. Like it, it's not one of those things. It's like. Um, I remember seeing this meme once where it was just like, do you remember being six and hearing about the Bermuda Triangle and being like, what the hell are people doing about that? <laughs> and like, <laughs> how it's like portrayed as this big thing. But if you actually look at it, I mean, there, there's definitely anomalies that are going on there and there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. But at the end of the day, it's like one of the busiest and most highly trafficked shipping areas in like the entire world. Yes. So... It's not like it's you're going to enter that area and all of a sudden disappear or some crazy shit is going to happen. I mean, crazy shit does happen out there, but there's so much traffic through it that it's inevitable that something's going to happen. Um, so then it's just kind of picking through all the just kind of standard accidents, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, look at it like a highway and then a country back road. Like, which one is going to have an accident more often? Well, obviously the highway because there are more cars traveling down it. Not to say that dirt road, you know, a car's not going to get into an accident there, but it's just statistics. It's you're going to have stuff that happens. And again, talking with about those myths, if, if there's things like, you know, the Earth's own, you know, natural activity and just you know, what it's just Earth is doing its thing, you know, it's it's going to happen. Like those methane bubbles, um, the magnetic fields, everything like that. So, yeah, but just because the um, it's a highway, it doesn't mean that there's not still aliens underneath the highway. <laughs> yes, there's <laughs> aliens under the highway. There's aliens under the bridge. <laughs> I mean, if trolls uh, can live there, why can't aliens? <laughs> you bring up a good point. Yes. And what I find yeah. interesting is insurance companies still found a way to make money out of that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the true lesson in Bermuda is insurance. <laughs> yes, the insurance. 
Now, diving right into the theories, uh, this is from traveltriangle.com. Now, some of these, now again, these are just theories. So some of them are going to be a little a little out there, but I'd love lives lost have been offering to Satan. So that's like probably one of the most extreme theories behind it is that um, for whatever reason, this is like that triangle is quote unquote the devil's like area. And uh, he gets sacrifices or something like that, I guess. So that one, so that was, <laughs> I think that's the most absurd one. I don't, I don't believe that, but um, number two theory is an alien base. So some sci-fi sci experts say the Bermuda Triangle is actually an extra extraterrestrial base. People have shared accounts of strange lights, sudden appearing in the sky, blinking like some secret signal, and then disappearing. We had just talked about that with Christopher Columbus. Now, are there strange lights that happen there? Yes, appar apparently, because there's documentation of it. Um, but then, you know, I, I believe in aliens, So, but I believe aliens go all over the place. So is it possible that these aliens, you know, just happen to be the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. I don't think there's an alien base there, though. I mean, I don't, I don't think that. Yeah, it'd make much more sense for them to put a base like on Antarctica or something. Like we just said, it's one of the most highly trafficked areas on the planet. So if you're going to hide yeah. a base, that seems like a poor choice. Nah, man, you hide in plain sight. <laughs> okay, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> but this, but see, that's that's the thing, too, is that, again, if it's the most uh, trafficable area for ships, you think that we'd have more, you know, documentation or video evidence of those UFOs on that path. Like, I don't ever remember hearing or seeing UFOs in the Bermuda Triangle, like, like as a title for a video. I mean, granted, I've seen like plenty of videos of people like on the water um, or like on the beach and like something zips across the sky, but nothing like that. Yeah, that's probably a good point. I mean, most of the time it's probably just working people say work. Like they're probably much more concerned with like operating a ship than looking for stuff like that would be my guess. You know, and that's, you bring up a good point too. Yeah. You you probably have everyone on that ship who's actually working and doing something and they don't have time to, you know, like just, it's not like a luxury boat, you know, like, a, <laughs> you know, it's not like the carnival cruise and you're just lounging out on the, on the deck and everything. So that makes sense where if that's the case, it's just, they're not filming it. You know, they're, they're actually working. <laughs> Some people work at their jobs, man. <laughs> <laughs> um another theory is the bermuda triangle has its own biosphere um yeah so yeah but I, again like that one can be explained through what was it i had said it was the Oh, the weather patterns. So it's the swift moving gulf streams and the masses of warm and cold air colliding that could be the reason why people think that it has its own biosphere because those, again, those just random storms that pop up. So as far as the Bermuda Triangle having its own biosphere, I don't think that's really true just because of, again, like it's scientifically proven that like that's what's going on in that area. Um, let's see here. Uh, an interesting one is that there's a time travel tunnel within the Bermuda Triangle. Now, one of the most famous ones. Now, Ro, you'll probably cover this, so I'm not going to try to steal your thunder or anything like that. Um, but a Mr. Bruce 
Gernon claimed to have lost 28 minutes while flying over the Bermuda Triangle. So he traveled 100 miles further than what he was supposed to be at um, due to what it was. is uh, It was fog, like electronic fog. And his plane went through this tunnel and he just, you know, ended up 100 miles further. I can't really explain that one. And apparently this guy has been flying for a lot of years. So, you know, say he's wrong or he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because, again, I'm not a pilot. So that theory is actually pretty interesting. That one might hold some ground. Again, there's crazy things that happen on this earth. So, But those are the theories that I had stumbled across. Again, I had said that like some of the, the myths and the theories were going to kind of intertwine and kind of explain each other. So I, th- I found that to like do that kind of research and like see how those, those theories and then the myths depro- disproving them I liked learning about that and like seeing how some of these theories could be explained. Now, one of the more outlandish theories that I've heard mm-hmm. is <clears throat> it's a bit of a drawn out story. So I'm gonna try to explain a little quicker. So Mars was like earth. It had lots of vegetation, lots of life and the beings that were living on that planet, we'll call them Martians, of course, had, had a bit of a destructive nature, but they were like super intelligent. So what they ended up doing is creating a portal to come to Earth because, of course, Earth was like Mars, except they destroyed it, which is why Mars looks like what it looks like now. And so when they came here, they were living life, and then they ended up fucking around with the beings that were living on Earth, which is called them Earthlings. And so there was a bit of a dispute, so the Martians was like, fuck this shit, I'm getting out of here. And now, mind you, this has been like thousands of years that passed, or whatever, according to the story. And so the Martians forgot how to do how to make that portal that they made to get from Mars to Earth. And so, <laughs> here we are, here we are, I'm almost finished. And so they end up making the portal, except it goes wrong. It, it, it gets messed up badly. And so that's what's at the Bermuda Triangle, but at the bottom of the ocean, it's like a interdimensional d- portal that went A-wire and it's slowly like diminishing and dying out, but it's been there and that's why planes and boats and stuff disappear and why... That time loss thing might have happened, might have traveled through like a black hole dimension kind of thing. But yeah, I just thought that was like an interesting theory behind it too. So I'm fine with the, the portal idea. I'm fine with that. You got me there. What I'm trying to understand is if you have an interdimensional portal or something, which theoretically could let you travel the entire universe, you go one planet away and then forget. Well, <laughs> what I assume is the technology that they used to create the portal was lost over time because I guess they thought they could stay on Earth and that would just be that. And I'd imagine the reason why they chose Earth because Earth was like their planet. It was full of life, full of vegetation. The atmosphere was perfect. And they just thought, you know what? This is simple. We'll just go here, take it over. That will just be that. And over the time, they kind of forgot they could learn something from the colonial empires of Earth. <laughs> I mean, you don't just go to one place, man. You got to go to like four or five. You got to spread it out in case something bad happens. Who knows? Maybe they did. Maybe there is those, those same Martians on other planets. So they just fucking left those ones on Earth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We forgot about them. Oh, well, that'd be fine. Those are the weird ones. Don't worry about them. So here's my beef with like when people are like, okay, so for instance, let's take the movie, you know, the, the M night Shyamalan movie signs where the aliens come to earth and then their weakness is water and like everyone, and everyone was like, well, why, why would they come to earth if their weakness was water? All right. So like, here's my question. Okay. So then why are we sending spaceships 
to the moon and Mars when we can't breathe there. There's no food. You, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, that was like, all right, the aliens found a food source, which were humans apparently in the movie. Um, and they were going to just, they were going to do it. Like, Cause I mean like shit, there's a billions of people on earth. That would have been great. So I, I'm not trying to defend M night Shyamalan. I mean, some of his movies are trash, but some of them are good. I'm not saying all are, are bad, but I don't know. I just, I think it's like when you were saying, Tristan, like, why would they only come to Earth? Like, why would, if they had that portal, why wouldn't they go anywhere else? Maybe the portal couldn't allow them to go any further than Earth, you know? Like, maybe like there was a distance. I'm not trying to defend the Martians, all right? I'm not saying that, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying there's, uh, there's always an explanation as to maybe why they came to Earth. Like, maybe they needed, maybe this was the closest planet that had water. And they're like, why are we? Why would we go twenty light years away when we can only go like right next door to this, you know, this planet right here? So that's my little rant. Sorry. You convinced me, Alex. <laughs> yeah, did I? <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> we can wrap this show up, guys. It's uh, yeah, a portal it. from Mars. Thank you. <laughs> So, Leo, I know you did cryptids and animals, and Ro, I know you did airplanes. I don't know where we want to go from here. I, whichever, whoever wants to go next, um, by by all means. So, the first one that I found is called the Bermuda uh, creature, and it's essentially like a giant eel kind of thing, or like a kraken that sits at the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle, which is. Another theory to explain what happens to the planes. It's supposed to be like a behemoth creature. And if it does exist, it's supposed to be like the biggest, biggest thing in the world. And just to put it into comparison on, on a size, it's it's four times the Eiffel Tower. So that thing is like massive. You said planes have to worry about this thing? Like it jumps out of the water for planes? Yes. Like it, I guess it swings its arm out and come here, you know, on some King Kong level. That's awesome. Yeah, so it looks like a giant eel with like tendrils coming out of its head, and it's it's fucking big as fuck, and that's just supposedly one of the, the things about it, <clears throat> and and it's like I don't know if that's just one of those alien creatures that exists or if it's something that has been here for thousands of years, <laughs> thousands of years. I don't know. I mean, there's no <clears throat> evidence to support it. It's just one of those like out out off the wall kind of speculated. Just to say, oh, we got another creature to worry about in the sea. <laughs> it's always something to worry about in the sea, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever seen it, but if you ever played Subnautica or seen it, it reminds me of the some of the bigger creatures that they have in the game. And, I mean, those things are, like, massive. I don't know if they compare it to this creature as far as size because when you get up on the creature, you're it's not as big, but it kind of looks like that. But yeah, it's like crazy. I gotta assume, like, man, if something's that big, like you said, three times the size of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, right? like three, or f- three or four times the size of the Eiffel Tower. Okay, so if this thing is jumping out of the water, grabbing planes like a fish would a treat or something, um, wouldn't you assume that when it hits the water, that's gonna cause like the tsunami? It's gonna cause like a tsunami or like something, right? Nah, man, it comes down like a feather. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> that's the secret. It's like the tiniest little, little, little drop. That's how he does it. <laughs> yeah, it's just bloop. 
<laughs> nah, but they also say that. Um, I don't know if y'all ever heard of it. <laughs> um, but uh, there's that underwater sound that was like a a oh, boop yeah. or a bop yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. And the picture is like, yeah. Beep, they said that that. <laughs> they said that that's the creature that had made that sound. And I'm just like, I could, I, I could believe it. This one's like a ninja. <laughs> yeah. It got like a parachute of gills. <laughs> or it could like shrink down its size so that way it doesn't get caught. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. All right. All right. All right. What do we got? Okay. So <laughs> you said it was three times the size of the Eiffel Tower, right? Yes, about four times. Yeah, about four times. Oh, well, hold on now. You said three. <laughs> Don't change it up to four now. <laughs> is it four or is it three? It's four, so that'll put it at about 4,000 feet. Oh, well, you just stole my thunder. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so 4,000 feet, or I believe that's 1,200 meters, roughly. Yeah, sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, a little over 1,000. Yeah, so that, and I was trying to look up the depth of the Bermuda Triangle. Like, how deep is it actually? I see. That's the thing is, like, I the way where the Bermuda Triangle like sits. I want to say like one of the islands, it it, like sits on top of like a hill. Technically, it's it's really weird. I I saw a picture. I'm trying to find it too, Um, but I don't think it is that deep. At the Bermuda Triangle, I'm still trying to find that. That's what I was looking for too. Yeah, I think it was one of those areas where, like, I, I could be wrong on all. I don't think all of it, but I think a fair amount of that area used to be higher. Like, it used to be more land. Because um, I know they found different stuff on the bottom and in that area. So I don't, I don't think it's like normal ocean deep. Normal ocean deep. What is normal ocean deep? <laughs> Really fucking deep. That's, that's <laughs> normal ocean deep. All right. Well, keep keep going, Leo. I'm going to try to find how deep the Bermuda Triangle is, and then we can keep talking. Oh, hold on one second. <laughs> I think yeah. I found it. All right. So it is. All right. So. All right. Is located in the Bermuda. Okay. So the Bermuda Triangle, the Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico Trench reaches a depth of 2,700 feet or 8,000 meters. Thing could like so barely sit up straight. Yeah, I guess, but like it's most of it's double his height, so it's not very deep. But well, that's just that... trench. Is the, does it get any farther as you go? Oh yeah, I mean Puerto Rico. Because I mean, it, it, that, that, now you're getting into ocean, ocean. Yeah, and that's just the thing. Is like, all right, so if it's sitting like right around like the Puerto Rico area, it's the water is going to be. Like hat, it's gonna be sitting. I mean, if it's just chilling on the bottom, just like you know, sitting there, standing. I don't know. Like, what? what do you have a picture of this thing? Did you put it in the chat? Yeah. Yeah. Presentation. Oh, that looks like a squid slash like. It's squid. the top picture. That's the cryptic <laughs> creature. The bottom one is what I was referring to from the game. Oh, okay. So this just looks like a big worm with like tentacles coming from its head. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, and according to the picture, it shoots out some kind of fire. I I don't know about that. I mean, that's Why that's does it actually shoot fire. How does it shoot? Fire? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like underwater, because that's more impressive. So you can create. I mean, it might be. It looks blue. It might be some kind of plasma. I don't know. Ooh. 
Well, technically, didn't Godzilla? He swam underwater and he shot fire out of his mouth. That's a good yeah. scientific basis to use. Yeah, Godzilla. Oh, yeah, very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leo. What other cryptids did you did you discover, or is that really the the only one for the Bermuda Triangle? Unfortunately, that is the only cryptid that I found. But okay. there are some other details about the Bermuda Triangle that I found, and it specifically is regards to eels. So. <clears throat> It's like a giant rabbit hole I stumbled upon. <laughs> Apparently, eels do not have reproductive organs. No one has ever seen them lay eggs, mate, give birth, nothing. Oh, so we really oh, don't on. know how eels come. No, into no, no, no. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second. They don't have reproductive <laughs> organs. Yes, like from what I've read, they don't have any eggs. They don't have any, you know, any organs that that would indicate that they can reproduce. But they, we've caught them. We have, and apparently they've been dissected and everything, and they haven't found anything really. And the only way you could tell this gender is by close examination and having to well, get up on it. And yeah, it's insane. Well, see, that doesn't. All right, all right, I, I, all right. Let's keep talking. <laughs> keep going. So, <laughs> another thing about the eels is they're able to switch from fresh water to salt water, and vice versa. And so what they do, how it links back to the Bermuda Triangle is apparently there's an area in the Bermuda Triangle that they go to and like say one or two will go and like three or four will come back. So it's almost like that's where they go to reproduce and then sprout more. And then, of course, their, you know, children, they'll come back and do the same. And it's just like a cycle. And I mean, they'll travel like 4,000, 5,000 miles to this single spot just to make babies, apparently, somehow, some way. I don't understand that. I, I don't understand why or Listen, how science. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I mean, people put GoPros on eagles. Can we put a GoPro on an eel? And just you watch would it think swim? so. But yeah. I think because of like the time period or like at what point in time does the eel actually go to the Bermuda Triangle to, to mate, it, it might change or might differ, which is why they might not have done such a thing. Because it's like, as of now, like, they might live their life for years on end and then, oh, time to go make babies. And then all right, we're going to go and clone ourselves. Do they, so they don't, they don't lay eggs, right? Yeah, they do. Um, quick interjection, side note. That is actually a, a wives' tale. Um, it, uh, so they don't understand the reproductive cycle, but they have been observed reproducing. They're asexual and they lay eggs. So that's what's weird about them because like so think of like how fish reproduce but they're also kind of like snakes because remember snakes are kind of can be agendered as well they can kind of switch their gender based off the needs of the population mm-hmm. apparently eels can also fucking do that which makes them really weird and like super hard to observe or do anything <laughs> they've not been observed in the wild they've only been observed in capa- um, captivity but if you've seen anything about like captive animals they especially if they're born in captivity they're not quite the same thing that is true that is true okay so we're not completely insane with the eels <laughs> <laughs> no like they're they, they're weird and it's showing stuff like they 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 so they lay eggs and then be or externally fertilized so that it makes it really hard to observe and then like the eels will just drift for i think what i was just reading there was like five to seven years just like as babies they just kind of drift through the water and just kind of are left because they do that thing where they lay like what hundreds and hundreds of eggs maybe thousands and it's just kind of you expect most of them to die 
Oh, so they're just kind of like floating around in the ocean as an egg? Uh, Rivers is mostly the one I was reading on, but I'm assuming, yeah. And um, I think they hatch. I think they're just little, like, baby Noodles. eels. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, retracting my statement about eels, but still, it is interesting, though, because I have read more about, like, they'll go from fresh water to salt water, and I think I've even seen where they, they'll eat for, like, a certain period of time and then stop eating for, like, two years after they've given birth, reproduced, or whatever. And that's just kind of what they do. Yeah, like they'll live their life, eat, have babies, and then die. It's just the cycle of life, I guess, for them. Isn't that everyone's life, man? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, yeah. <laughs> now, the other thing that I found about, uh, I guess, the Bermuda in, its, in, in itself, not necessarily the Bermuda Triangle as we know it, but there's apparently the Bermuda Triangles for birds where they'll stumble across or fly through a certain area and just get lost like completely disoriented don't know where to go <laughs> and yeah it's, it's crazy that sounds like me in the morning <laughs> oh where am i <laughs> where am i supposed what to happened? go <laughs> yeah but okay so the first one that i found was a place called i might get the pronunciation wrong forgive me it's called jatinga in assam this is in india so apparently whenever birds fly into this specific patch of land, they become somehow disoriented and will fall to the ground. And they're basically saying that they're committing suicide is what people are believing. I, wow. I actually covered something kind of like this in one of our news updates. There was like a wow. flock of birds in Mexico and someone caught it on their CCTV. And if you just type in... Uh, uh, what is it? I think it's just birds in Mexico falling. It's just like, it's just like, you know, just like a, a street or like an alleyway. And then just like hundreds of birds just plummet to the ground. It's crazy. Yeah. Is wow. this the same thing? No, but I think it oh. might have the same, <laughs> same cause. Because You're telling me there's two unrelated <laughs> incidences of birds just dropping out of the fucking sky. <laughs> seems like it <laughs> yeah okay. All right, that's and there's that's multiple fine. instances of birds getting lost but for this one scientists think that it's possibly due to like altitudes winds or even fog that cause the birds to become confused because it only happens during like specific uh, time frames during the monsoon yeah. seasons i think is what it said yep this is like september and october during dark foggy nights and they say that uh, the the bright lights of the village is kind of like where they try to go because at that point they can't see anything. So they see, okay, bright light, let me try to get there. And they end up like just, I can't do this anymore. And Chris Black. So Ro, does this sound familiar? Like, are you, were you aware yes. of this? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and it makes it even more crazy because it's not just like a specific species of birds. So it's like, oh, all, you know, parakeets are being affected by this like no it's like a different kinds of species of birds that are affected by this specific incident correct does it have anything to do with like magnetism because i know they use that a lot for their guidance and i, I don't know it just reminds me of earlier we were talking about the uh the compass with um kind of the inconsistencies that can happen in certain areas is there any kind of like magnetic inconsistencies there that might fuck with a bird because i know they use that for navigation when they can't see because they can fly like in fog and not have a problem. I don't think it's it applies for this specific situation, but it does apply for the next one that I'm going to bring up. Oh, okay. 
And Ro, since you know a little bit about it, uh, did you have anything else you want to add on to the first thing we just oh, no. talked about? No, I think you covered pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So the second one is closer to the States. It was uh, up in New York. Apparently this happened in the 60s uh, pertaining to homing pigeons. So a uh, professor at the time was attempting to understand how birds were able to navigate throughout the world and come back home during like, you know, traveling and going south for the winter or north for the winter, however it goes. And they were all going smoothly <laughs> until... <laughs> they travel listen, south for the winter because it's warmer. Listen, my brain dumps irrelevant information, okay? <laughs> Make space for other stuff like these crazy topics we talk about. <laughs> but apparently when they were being released in the Jersey Hill area... They would fly around, kind of lost, without a sense of direction, and they would just not return. Like, some of them would come back to, I guess, the home area that they had set up, and some would not. And it was just, like, this whole big thing of, like, what the hell are happening to the birds? How are they getting lost? And it happened a few more times up until August 13th, 1969, when they were able to actually come back. And so that is where they proposed the whole idea of the magnetics and the, the atmosphere changes in the area. And so the scientists have proposed that the birds use infrasound as a map to navigate and it's affected by atmospheric changes. And so he had measured the atmosphere at those times when they were being affected and found that there were like some changes to, including like some magnetic uh, influxes, I guess you could say. But of course this isn't a definitive answer because it also affects other birds in certain areas but that's just an idea that was thrown out. I find it very interesting how like animals will use things like that to like navigate and, you know, just fly around like, like just take bats with like echo the, it was it's echo location, echo location. Thank you. Um, yeah. It's just crazy how like a bat just opens up its mouth and, you know, because that's what they do. They just fucking like ah, right? Like they like they yell. Yeah, they, and, they emit a high screech and then they wait for the response and the distance. So the amount of time it takes for the sound to get back to them can determine a distance. And that's crazy. Like that to me, that's insane. How like these little creatures? Yeah, I mean, I get that, but I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't get that. I mean, I didn't know how raiders work till you just said that. But anyways. Um, it's just crazy though, that like, we think that, you know, these animals and like, you know, these creatures are just like, oh, it's just a dumb bird. Well, actually it's using the atmosphere to like fly around. Let's see you try to do that. It's just, it's insane when you think about it, just how, I don't know, these creatures that you think are dumb are doing stuff like that. Now, granted, I, I don't know if they know that they're doing it, but they're just, that's just how they fly. I don't know. It's kind of what they evolved. But on that, what I think is interesting is like. It shows how fragile a lot of species on the planet are, especially mm -hmm. compared to like humans, because we're so adaptable. If things, the environment changes around us. For the most part, we can kind of figure it out and like still function. But I mean, look at birds. If like there's, if that little of atmospheric changes can mess with their whole navigation system, um, it's just kind of interesting because obviously the planet goes through cycles of being all kinds of wildly different structures uh, as far mm -hmm. as temperature or anything like that so when those things start to change it's funny how like 
not, not funny, I guess more sad. <laughs> all these, yeah, it's not really funny. It's, it's more sad Dumb and terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, they spent millennia evolving these certain traits to navigate the world as it is. And then as the world starts kind of changing, it's almost impossible for like their, their systems to catch up with it because it's ingrained to work a certain way. People don't yeah. have that problem, but birds, I mean, I, I could imagine that would really mess with all their migration. Well, I mean, yeah, even look at like, I guess <clears throat> if you want to tie like even like, uh, like global warming and like how the like. I was walking around it, but that's what I was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, like polar bears, you know, like it, if you think about it, if it, if the whole earth were to like just warm up. You know, what's going to happen to the polar bears? You know, it's, they can't adapt. Well, I'm, I mean, I guess it depends on how long it would take because if it was something like, all right, tomorrow, it just, the earth is cooking. Oh, we'll probably die off. But I feel like animals have that ability to adapt sometimes too. Cause I mean, if you think about oh, it, yeah. birds derived from dinosaurs. So it's like, all right, they were, you know, running on the ground at one point and then they're like you know what i don't like my legs i'm gonna grow wings and now they're flying around so that's not how evolution works bro yeah it does <laughs> yeah it does 100 no, like, <laughs> like i, I want to be it. i want to be taller so i got to keep thinking i want to be taller and then my kids will be taller you know it, that's just how evolution works so it is true that like yeah animals adapt and change as the environment changes um even if it is fairly quick but you also got to remember like when those things start to happen and the earth changes periodically and there's new species. It's not like all the species just like, oh, I guess I'm going to be this now. Like, no, <laughs> what happens is like 90% of them die, about 10% survive. And then they tend to have genes that are more favorable to change. And then they diverge from there. And then now, you know, the, the animal that they all derive from comes from a smaller pool. It's not like just everything moves on and changes. Unfortunately, most things just die. Well, you learn stuff every single day. I didn't know that. I thought just all the dinosaurs were like, all right, let's grow wings, guys. We're chickens now. It's fine. (laughs) You be the cow. I'll be the chicken. (laughs) You look like a giraffe. You're going to be a giraffe now. Um, Who wants to be the rhino? (laughs) Alligators were... I like, alligators your, I like your version. That's so much better. <laughs> I'm going to draw a picture of that, like just a dinosaur with a clipboard. Look <laughs> <laughs> at the T Rex with his tiny arms. That guy's ridiculous. Oh, man. I love it. <laughs> Leo, did you have any other animals as far as the Bermuda Triangle goes? Nah, no more animals. Just a side tangent about the bat thing. Mm. I saw on a, I think it was like a documentary, but apparently a kid that was blind Don't. had learned to use echolocation oh. like a bat. You, I, I thought you, you were going to... Yes! <laughs> I thought he was going to say something about like a bat took a child away or something <laughs> like that. God, no. <laughs> that, does, that, that, that theme does seem to pop up here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> why you were concerned <laughs> listen not this time <laughs> i heard about that blind kid though i remember i've seen that that story and that's something a lot of blind people do to like an extent um maybe they don't like specifically do a high pitch frequency or anything like that but um, i know that blind people they, they they use their ears so much more dramatically i guess it was wasn't he using like cl- wasn't he like clicking with his tongue yeah 
Yeah, and he was like roller skating and everything. It was it was cool. Yeah, and I, I, I now again, if we have anybody that's blind listening to us, like I, please leave a comment as far as like you know informing us. But I thought too that like people will use their sticks sometimes to like you know knock on and to like get that um, to yeah to use their ears to see how far something is. But yeah, that's interesting. But Ro. You covered planes. I'm kind of interested to see. You said you covered one specifically? Yes. And I okay. think that's quite famous. Um, so, well, uh, I don't think anyone has kept statistics, um, but numerous ships and planes have vanished without a trace within the Bermuda Triangle. And uh, yet, after approximately 58 years, After five Navy planes disappeared there on a routine training mission, no one still knows exactly what caused that and the other disappearances as well. Um, And that uh, disappearance specifically uh, was where the name Bermuda Triangle was coined. It was coined by this gentleman named Vincent Gaddis when he wrote a cover story for a magazine about the disappearance of Flight 19. Yeah, that flight nine flight nineteen is a pretty pretty famous um pretty famous one and yeah by all means like I'm I'm hinge, I'm interested to see if you've if you've uncovered or if you found out anything that maybe we we aren't already aware of but yeah keep going so uh, yes of course many theories have been sprouted to explain what happened to the missing uh, travelers um so. Flight 19, uh, to people who don't know, like me, originated at the U.S. Naval Air Station in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And five uh, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers carrying 14 men took off one afternoon that day, on that particular day. I think this was in December 5th, 1945, um, on a routine navigational training mission. And the assignment was to fly a three-legged triangular route with a few bombing practice runs over Hen and Chicken's Shoal. That's that's one place, I guess. Yeah, that was the name of the, uh, I believe, the islands that they were supposed to fly over to do the the bombing mission or the practice bombing mission. Ah, right. So this was led by an instructor, Lieutenant Charles Taylor. So about an hour and a half into the flight, uh, Taylor radioed the base to say that his compasses weren't working. But he estimated that he was somewhere over the Florida Keys. And at that time, I don't think we had something called a GPS system over there. So they had to purely fly bases on the compass, right? So the lieutenant who received the signal told Taylor to fly north towards Miami as long as Taylor was sure that he was actually over the keys. Now, although he was an experienced pilot, Taylor got horribly turned around, and the more he tried to get out of the keys, the further out to sea he and his crew traveled. And yeah, that was that was part of the issue, was that he thought that he was over a set of islands that he actually wasn't over. So when he was looking, because yeah, again, you were saying that his compass wasn't working. So one of the things that he was doing was he was looking down at the ocean and what he thought, yeah, what he thought was the set of um, islands that they were at weren't the right Mm -hmm. ones. So like you were saying, yeah, they just (laughs) essentially put them further out into sea. Right. 
And then uh, Taylor is from the manuscripts or whatever. Taylor is heard formul formulating a plan. As soon as the first plane's fuel level dip, dips below 10 gallons, all five planes were to be ditched at sea. Now, the Avenger was known as an extremely rugged plane. And they were built like tanks, apparently. So, which meant they were also very heavy, weighing more than 10,000 pounds, empty. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> so, if it were ditched, the Avenger would go down hard and fast. And the possibility of anyone surviving a landing in high seas was slim. And anyone surviving, uh, any chance of surviving the night in that cold water was, I think, absolutely nil. Mm -hmm. So, yep. um, after that, a massive land and sea search was, you know, done. And But neither... They didn't find any bodies nor any wreckage. Um, and adding to that tragedy, one of the rescue planes also disappeared with its 13-man crew. Yep. So this, this plane, uh, PBM Marino, was nicknamed the Flying Gas Tank because the slightest spark could cause an explosion. Oh, and <laughs> I, I, Yeah, what a nickname. I would not want to be flying in that plane. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a ship in the area reported uh, seeing a huge fireball and crossing through an oil slick at the same at the exact uh, time and place where the plane would have been so in the navy's final report the disappearance of flight 19 was blamed on pilot error but uh, taylor's family protested and after several reviews the verdict was changed to causes or reasons unknown uh, but obviously, this disappearance, uh, especially after uh, Vincent's article, um, I mean, there was this huge virtual cottage industry in myths making, and the disappearances have been attributed to your enormous sea monsters, giant squids, or extraterritorials, um, alien abductions, or the existing existence of a mysterious third dimension. Uh, as you all covered, and obviously something known as the ocean flatulence, which basically means the ocean suddenly starts spewing large quantities of trapped methane. Um, but the reality may be different. Now, some argue that it is just Mother Nature working her treacherous ways. It could be human error or shoddy craftsmanship or design. And, or, you know, just sometimes it's just plain bad luck that can experience uh, that can explain the disappearances. I uh, I think yeah. you, you're to you're totally right on that, Ro. When you say like it could have just it could have just been a freak accident or like you know just mm -hmm. a perfect world world will oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> it could have been a perfect situation where everything just wasn't right. <laughs> Where's the fun in that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't get a good story of, oh, it was just a freak accident. True, exactly. true. Yeah. So, but, Ro, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you think happened to Flight 19? I think Taylor seriously got lost. But there, there is one of, there is this one theory that I read that he had actually applied uh, for a leave or something just before the flight was scheduled. I don't exactly remember. And um, he was denied and he was uh, put in this plane. 
So I don't know if that's connected. <laughs> I mean, just because, I mean, I feel like if you uh, you were trying to go on vacation or something like that, but he was he was a captain, though, I believe, in... yeah. So like I feel like as a captain in the navy you have a you know you should be a little bit professional and not try to take down a bunch of people with you just cuz you didn't get to go on vacation. <laughs> I don't know, that's just me. But I I would agree with you Ro on that one where it was he just they just got lost. I don't I don't know like there's nothing with the story. Now again like with yeah. the with the myths and like the theories that I had said like with the compasses. They were using those magnetic compasses. Correct. So if it was one of these things where they didn't calibrate it and everything, but I do believe in that story too, that he wasn't the lead navigator for this mission. He let one of the uh, trainees lead it. So I think you can't put all the blame on him. Yes. And I captain, man. No, 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 no. He chose to let someone else do the navigation. (laughs) It's still his fault. What what I will say was it was it, it he should have been checking and you know like making sure that the trainee knew where he was going like I don't know if he took a nap I don't know if it was one of these things you know <laughs> I'm serious though like fuck you guys I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but it, it could have been one of these things where like he really trusted this trainee to get them where they needed to go and he just dozed off because I believe it was two people per plane so if it was him you know taking a nap while the other guy flew the plane the other people had communication and then and it could have been something where the guy was like hey captain like wake up we don't know where we are and then he was trying to figure out where they were saw a set of islands told him to go north set him out to sea i don't know that's just the thing is like we'll never know yeah what i find interesting is they still haven't found anything they couldn't find found it of Alex, (laughs) (laughs) it's spreading. (laughs) Now everyone has it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) What I find interesting is they couldn't find the wreckage then, and nor have they found anything till date. So I'm wondering what happened to the bodies. I mean, did Leo's Tracking friend just leap out of the sky. I mean, and it was a, a quick snack. <laughs> <It was> quick <laughs> snack. <laughs> That's the thing too is they have found planes of that model, but they haven't found those like because they they all every plane has its own like you know serial number, bumper number, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, and they have found planes with that like the exact same model, but just not the correct serial number so that's that something surprises me though but because i mean like modern technology they have such a hard time mapping anything in that ocean because it's so difficult they actually use things like um sonar uh and the echolocation kind of thing they, they, they shoot like beams down toward the bottom of the floor and then it echoes back up and they can use it to map it mm-hmm. um, but it's an extraordinarily slow and expensive process so when things dis- once something goes in the ocean, I mean, if it gets to the bottom, like if it's heavy enough to get to the bottom, it it's a crapshoot if you're ever gonna find it. I mean, fuck, uh, James Cameron had to get an entire movie studio behind him just to get anything done with the Titanic. Yep, yep. Well, even something like that you had brought up uh, a while back, Tristan, was like the Malaysian airline. Like yep. that's that's a newer, yes. you know. 
up to date airplane, everything. And they know where it crashed too. Like they figured it all out. They tracked the thing to the mm-hmm. water practically, and they still couldn't find it. Exactly. So, what are the odds that we would find something back in? Well, you said the fifties, correct, Ro? Or is it the forties? Forties, nineteen forty-five. Yep. So, yeah. so it's a mystery. It is. So, U.S. Coast Guard's official response to any Bermuda Triangle inquiries says that it has been our experience that the combined forces of nature and the unpredictability of mankind outdo science fiction stories many times each year. Okay. So that's their official take on the whole Bermuda Triangle thing. Yes. Sounds eerily similar to the press release from Dyatlov Pass. I think the Dyatlov Pass one, they're like, they were overcome by an unstoppable force of nature or something Mm. like that. Weird. I mean, uh, that is a good name for Bigfoot. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. However, having said all that, I still feel that uh, there are a lot of people, including me, who want the Bermuda Triangle not to lose, you know, any of its mysterious nature. There, There is a lure of something unknown. The choices are vast in this, between the horrifying idea of a giant squid's tentacles wrestling a plane or a ship to the seafloor, or, you know, just Mother Nature unleashing her fury. It is hard to resist the legend of the Bermuda Triangle. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 100%. Like, I, I, everyone knows I love aliens. Like, I would love it, to, like, if that, were, if that were the case, where, like, aliens were just, like, picking off planes, you know, studying the pilots, like, all, all that weird stuff. But I, I don't know. And that's the thing is like, and that's why I like having these conversations too, is because anything is a possibility, you know? And like, again, yeah. like the, the one pilot that I had brought up who, um, who had been flying for years and he lost 28 minutes of time, but he flew a hundred more miles than where he should be. And he'd been flying for years. How can you discredit that? Like, how can you tell me that that is wrong? And like, I, I don't right. know. It's just, it's things like that, that it's, it, that's why we cover this stuff. So, I found one story, or I know of one story, with the ship, the uh, famous ship that went missing, called the Mary Celeste, which they, of course, tied it back to the possibility of being caused by the Bermuda Triangle. But the short side of it is that the the Br- a British ship had stumbled across the Mary Celeste just like on and sail, floating in the ocean, basically with no one on board the safety boat being gone, the light boat being gone. And once they boarded it, they found no indication that there was any kind of like skirmishes. Uh, they found no kind of leakage. There was like no no clear indication as to why the ship was abandoned. It was just afloat. And even the even though the light boat was missing, the people that were on it never came up. And the people that were on the boat was just like seven people. It was the captain, his wife, his daughter, and of course crewmates. So it's like they were all experienced. Well, the captain had experience, and from what they could tell, the weather was good enough for them to have sailed to where they needed to go. But there's no clear indication as to why they jumped ship because the ship was like full of booze. So, of course, they were like probably transporting goods at the time. And how big was the ship? I think it was like a pretty standard vessel, just like a generic captain ship, I guess, of the time. It was like the 1870s or whatever. Mm, okay. I feel like it would be easy to convince, maybe not convince, but like 
tell seven people to get off a ship rather than like 50 or 60. You know what I mean? Like it could be. Yeah. yeah it sounds like they were robbed. But that's the thing like, though. Like yeah. a lot of their belongings and a lot of the, even barrels of alcohol that was on the ship were still there. Like they were unbothered. So it's like, if it was like a pirate, you know, like, Hey, get off the ship. Like, why didn't they take any of that stuff? Why didn't they wreck the ship? You know, like nothing, everything was still there. Hmm. Bro, what did you, what, what's that from? That's the dimensions for the ship. <laughs> so it was a hundred feet, um, in length and then about 25 feet or seven meters, like depth wise or no. Right. You with, yeah, yep. with and, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so apparently they were traveling from New York to Italy, transporting, uh, the barrels of alcohol and, like I said, they it was like a British British ship had stumbled across it. It was apparently in partial sail, so I'm I'm guessing the the sail was like halfway down, almost as if it was just kind of cruising. And it was found in the Atlantic off of the Azores Island. And it'd be one thing if the lifeboat itself was missing, because that would factor in like okay, maybe they were just thrown off board by like a, a freak wave. But apparently, weather conditions were clear during that time frame and. There wasn't any reports of like any other accidents in the area. And you said this was like the 1870s, right? Yes. Yeah, 1872. So they're saying that the weather conditions were clear in one of the most unpredictable places on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm guessing this is like reports from other like ships that were in the general area that were kind yeah, of just sailing. Lying about something there. It almost sounds like I, I, you didn't point to any evidence of it, but it almost just sounds like they got drunk. I don't know why that sticks out in my brain, just maybe because they're like transporting a bunch of booze. But it just sounds like they were casually just kind of like on a booze cruise. <laughs> I mean, and then all of them I fall see off. That. And then all of them just <laughs> fall off the boat. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe even the daughter, though, because it was it was the captain, his wife, and his daughter, and of course, you know, a few crewmates. But it's like I don't I don't think a captain would be that irresponsible to put not only his life in danger but also his crew and his wife and daughter. So it's like. That's crazy. You have a high opinion of people. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I try. Get people to do it. No, down. that is really weird because it, it, like, your first guess would definitely be they were robbed. But I mean, if they, it just almost seems like they disappeared, like sitting in place, like one of those Twilight Zone type things. Right. Or they were like abducted by aliens just straight off the boat. Well, the time dilation thing is really my favorite part of Bermuda Triangle. That's always the one that stuck sticks out as like an interesting thought. And that's always the weird one. It's like, what if they were transported but like transported in time or some crap and like the, the whole boat didn't move it was just them mm. yeah just flesh beings come on let's go <laughs> flesh <laughs> beings <laughs> yeah that's a weird way to put i mean that. i would say organic more organic material but that means the boat would have been gone too so you know beings exactly. of flesh yeah all right well let's final thoughts on bermuda triangle what Let's let's just start from the top. You know, well, I'll give you guys my thoughts then. <laughs> We're gonna because <laughs> I looked at the Discord. I'm like, all right, who's first? Oh, it's me. Okay. Um, my thoughts are I feel like it has to do a lot with, you know, you just bundler nature doing her thing. But I also am not gonna say there aren't other, you know, things at work. Like again, like the the pilot 
that you know traveled 100 meet like 100 miles I, I i can't explain that the other things like the boats you know sinking things like that the methane bubbles things like that 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 would just you know kind of explain things um but i think there are other forces at work with the bermuda triangle that we may just not understand so that's my take on it what about you leo I would love to think that there's like a giant squid monster sitting down at the bottom, just <laughs> coming out and scooping up people or there's like a dimensional portal, you know, at the bottom that just somehow gets activated, I guess, whenever people go through and it's just like, oh, they're in another dimension now. Goodbye. How, how would they? They, they lost the book. They forgot how to make the portal. Remember? I mean, we, we got to figure it out. We can, we can resolve this issue ourselves and go down there and get rid of it. But now, I think realistically speaking, I think it is a combination of like weather and human error and just like other phenomenon because, you know, I don't think we're supposed to be out at sea and in the sky, you know, like we're, we're land creatures, you know, we need to stay firmly <laughs> on the ground. Are you, are you afraid of flying, Leo? I've never been on a plane. I, uh, I don't, I don't plan on it. I'll buy you a ticket. I'll buy you a ticket. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you can just like take a loop in the sky. I'm pretty sure they do that. Oh, <laughs> Nah, but I'll probably take something local, you know, go from one st- one state to the another someday. What's your thoughts, Ro? Um, well, I think uh, Bermuda Triangle is where Poseidon stays. <laughs> That's a good theory. <laughs> I like that. But, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, it, it does make sense. <laughs> But then uh, the name Graveyard of the Atlantic also kind of does justice to this place. What if it was Atlanteans down there just having fun? Shoot them down, boys. (laughs) Shoot (laughs) them down. (laughs) That'd be messed up. (laughs) You're one of us now. (laughs) 50 points if you get the head. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You're playing games down there. Converting people. All right, Tristan, what do you think? So what I think is important to remember with Bermuda Triangle is the weather thing. I know everyone's mentioned that, um, but it's I think it's really important to remember that. Like we've talked about with a lot of myths and histories and stuff like that, people love to personify weather because it's this force of nature we can't control. Same thing with the ocean. So it might as well be something like a Greek god, right? Because it's as controllable as one would be. And as soon as you find an environment like that, it just breeds storytelling and myths and just all kinds of crazy stuff to pop up and what's interesting is it's also an area that was discovered you know effectively post-renaissance so like you don't have like ancient greece areas right that were around for two three four thousand years of human history this was an area discovered by at least western the west and more kind of post what like 16 what Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1642. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right to me. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so we're talking, you know, post 1600, where I mean, sure, maybe the you know the natives of North America were familiar with the area, but they didn't exactly have advanced boat technology, so they obviously couldn't fly. Um, so they wouldn't have interacted with it on the way that probably Europeans did. Mm-hmm. So it kind of becomes this modern myth because it was new, and they just started attaching all of these crazier stories as we start getting like the aliens all that kind of stuff coming in because once you you know it's not like we're anyone believes in that pagan ideology anymore it's all you know strict christianity so they have to 
attach new mythology to it. And I think that's where these stories start to really come. That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, okay, uh, Tristan, I just wanted to point something out. So in 1609, there was a pamphlet describing the island as the most prodigious and enchanted place, affording nothing but gusts, storms, and foul weather. And even compared it to the Skyla and the uh, Charybdis, the Aegean sea monsters mentioned in Homer's The Odyssey. Oh, shit. Wow. That's cool. Thank you, Ro, for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, if you just enjoyed what you listened to, please hit us up on all our social media for the latest content where you have the most up-to-date information with what's going on with the show and what you can look forward to in our future episodes. And remember, we aren't looking for stuff that's normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Take care. Hi there, my name is Chris. I'm the host of the Cult Film Companion Podcast. We are the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. I'm a firm believer that a cult movie can come from any time period, any director, any movie studio, and covers a wide variety of genres, often within one single movie. It's all about the legacy that these movies have built up over time. Please tune into the Cult Film Companion Podcast, and remember to keep it cult. But don't drink the Kool-Aid, because it'll make you sick. Or kill you. Take care. Ninja News Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas, this is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast about Japanese news. There's no ninjas. The most powerful podcast about everything on earth. That is effing weird. The name? That is effing weird. Oh my goodness, such power. For they shall cover everything from cryptids to outer space. Nothing shall be off limits to this podcast. When and where is this beast of a podcast? They shall put on their knowledge onto the airwaves of their favorite podcast sites and release a new podcast every Sunday by midnight. Why would they come to Earth if their weakness was water? Oh, shit.